Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week's Highways Voices features the godmother of intelligent transport systems. 20 years ago, uh, the ITS sector itself wasn't even 20 years old. So, you know, what we've achieved in in less than 40 years is is really quite amazing. She's been in the industry almost as long as the industry has existed. Well, at least well over half of it. Jenny Martin is our guest for ITS today. That's insightful, thoughtful substance on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices. The podcast from highwaysnews.com. So ITS UK Secretary General Jenny Martin is our guest on Highways Voices to talk transport technology past, present and future. But first, here's Adrian Tatum with his take on the biggest stories we've run on Highways News over the past few days, starting with a UK first. The first zero emission zone will start in Oxford at the end of next month. The pilot will launch in a small number of streets in the city centre. All petrol and diesel vehicles, including hybrids, will incur a daily charge unless eligible for a discount or exemption. However, zero emission vehicles such as electric cars can enter the pilot area free of charge. Meanwhile, elsewhere, the House of Lords Built Environment Committee has launched its inquiry into public transport in towns and cities in England and is inviting written contributions. This inquiry will assess public transport travel trends in towns and cities. It will consider how public transport choices vary across different demographics and the impact of technology on how people travel. Committee will consider future trends in public transport innovation and how public policy may be shaped in light of these trends. The committee is interested in connectivity across modes and how to achieve better integration through data and innovation. The inquiry will find out if local authorities have enough money and powers to provide high quality public transport services across the country. And the overall condition of Devon's roads has improved, but there are concerns about the impact of plan cuts in highway spending, according to a council report. The annual survey of the county's network shows roads of all classifications are generally improved, with fewer being classified red or potentially needing maintenance. 71% of Devon's A roads were rated as green in the survey, up from 67% last year, with the number of classified red down to 2%, half of that a decade ago. C roads have also improved notably over the past 12 months, the amount needing possible attention falling from 17 to 12 percent. But despite the improvements, there are concerns at the council level that the planned 1.8 million cut in highway maintenance spending in the upcoming budget will impact roads further. On top of those, you can read about half a million e-scooter rental trips in London, but renewed fears about the mode's safety, a new CEO for modelling firm Ameson, and why the London cabbie is at risk of becoming extinct. You can read all these, plus so many more stories on our website. Remember to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Details are in the blurb. And sign up for our daily email into your inbox every lunchtime. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software as a service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. 
Jenny Martin is ITS UK Secretary General and one of the most well-known people in the transport industry, having spent well over 20 years at the helm of the Society's 30 years in existence. She regularly pops up at podcasts from events, but we haven't before sat down and chatted all things transport technology one-to-one, so I thought we'd put that right this week. And we started by talking about how intelligent transport systems have really had a positive effect during the pandemic. I think it's enabled us to as a sector to demonstrate that the the capabilities which we started showing off, uh, for instance, during the London Olympics, when there was some really clever work using data and uh, modelling and and, uh, all those clever bits of ITS behind the scenes to really change how and when and for how long and where people travelled. I think that then really came into its own uh, seven, eight years later, during uh, during the pandemic, where both sides, the the network operators and these transport services operators, had a lot of scope for changing the way their services ran in order to keep them as safe but still as useful as possible. But the travelling public also had access to some really clever tools. Uh, just one example being the the loading figures, which started becoming a mainstream feature of travel planners that people who were anxious about being too close to many other strange people were able to see uh, loadings for buses and for trains, which I'm sure enabled them to travel with a lot more confidence. And the thing is that the industry has been delivering so many solutions for so many years, even before the pandemic happened, more and more efficient transport, thanks to the use of technology. Um, For those who don't know, for those who maybe come more from what we in the ITS side would call the blacktop and barriers side of the industry, explain some of the things that ITS has delivered over the last 20 years that maybe are just so commonplace now, you forget that somebody within the industry was actually involved in inventing it. Yeah, that's a a really good point. Uh, I mean, so much has happened. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, the ITS sector itself wasn't even 20 years old. So, you know, what we've achieved in in less than 40 years is is really quite amazing. 20 years ago, an awful lot of signalised junctions weren't anywhere near as clever as they are now with uh, no, first of all, we got the ability to to change in real to react to incoming data and change faces in in real time. Uh, now we we're using predictive analysis. You know, if such and such a football match takes place on this afternoon and the weather is doing this, uh, then the you know this is the algorithms we should be running. So with just a very very mundane example, uh, which very much affects the whole of the travelling public, of course, traffic signals. Uh, it's just incredible what we can do now. And I mean, also where we do it, uh, I love to think of our, um, our uh, executive members, Cubic, who sit up in, in the, the northeast of England and run the traffic management systems for a city in Australia. I mean, they're absolutely incredible. So and so that's just one example. And if you think about the, the whole public transport piece, uh, ticketing, timetabling, routing, uh, all the different public interfaces I already mentioned about actually even down to safety, like loading, Uh, whether it's worth going upstairs in a bus that has two decks, will you find seats up there? But also the ease of accessing your your ticket and doing a route planning and replanning your route when there's disruption without, not that long ago, if your train or your bus didn't turn up uh, with a bus, you wouldn't even know whether it was canceled or it was going to come. You had no way of knowing what you were meant to be doing. 
Uh, with the train, at least you'd know it was cancelled, but replanning your, your, your trip would have involved quite a lot of effort. Uh, nearly everybody has that at their fingertips now, and it's just made everything so much easier. With, of course, the caveat that when I say nearly everybody, that's what I mean, because there are people for whom a, a smartphone is not the answer and they still need a service. But really, when we think about how much more streamlined our journeys are now, if we go back 20 years, it really is quite remarkable what ITS has managed to contribute to society. When you think about sat-navs that we all use in the car now, whereas I remember one of the the very first ITS UK meetings I went to when I first came into into the industry, uh, a gentleman stood up and held up this unit called a sat-nav. And when you think about sat-navs, they were way before smartphones, the first sort of portable touchscreen technology that anyone really had. But that's one of the interesting things is how we've embraced, like I guess lots of other industries, the use of the smartphone, both as a device, but also as a data gathering tool um, compared to the early days when you were expected to go out and buy a new device. Uh, That's made such a difference that, again, people kind of think, the smartphone is delivering these solutions to them rather than the clever people who are putting the apps on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's true about the satellite navigation, which was a, a revolution. And like all revolutions, it had a shaky start because I certainly remember many people, and I'm sure you do too, uh, saying that, now, why would I pay for that? Why would I buy one of those? I know such and such an area. I like the back of my hand. No way is, is that going to be as clever as I am at finding the, the back ways and the by roads. Uh, a little bit like a bit uh, further ago, people used to say, oh, drink driving. I drive better after a couple of pints. I'm more relaxed. No, a, a more lethal version of, of the same uh, faulty thinking. But uh, now uh, you'd have to be pretty arrogant to pit yourself against a sat-nav now, you know, your own local knowledge. But you're right, of course, an awful lot of people think that it's somehow it's it's the little device that is doing you, providing all these excellent services to you, where, of course, actually, it's, uh, well, it's with a lot of very, very clever people, some of, well, many of whom actually are members of ITS UK, and it, it's thanks to them that we can do all this. Reminds me of when I was in uh, traffic information and people used to say to me, oh, where do you get the traffic from? Do you get it off CFAX? And it was like, no, we are CFAX. That was how you had to try and explain it that way around. So you talk about the members. Explain to me the split between what you do as one of the paid employees of ITS UK and what the members do. So we're very, very lucky in ITS UK, and to an extent, it, it's it's not specific to us. It's because we're operating in in the UK, which is a country with a fantastic tradition of people volunteering for things. As long as they get an income from somewhere to pay their bills, British people tend to be very relaxed about doing all sorts of unpaid work if it's something that they believe in or something they're interested in. And I know my. Uh, international colleagues often remark on this and say how lucky we are because it, it's really thanks to that culture that we're able to do as much as we do we have these 15 forums for the different interests of our members like enforcement local authority use of behavior and so on and so forth they are all run by members and they will by and large be members who have full-time day jobs 
but they find the space, uh, both brain space and time space, to run these forums for us. And many of them are world leading experts and we are getting their time, which would be charged out to thousands of pounds a day, I'm sure. Uh, we are getting that time for nothing. We, we are so lucky. And we in the Secretariat, really, we exist to do the, the admin work and the, the practicalities and the finances and all that sort of thing. Uh, but I would say that for every hour that we work in the Secretariat for the good of ITS UK, uh, there are probably, uh, if you aggregate all the members' hours, there's probably 10 members' hours to every one hour we work. It, it, it's quite remarkable. And it's not just, it's the number of hours, but it's also the calibre of the people who are putting in these hours. They are incredible. And we are so lucky. But I guess they would only do it if they saw a value in what they're getting out of ITS UK, it's kind of like a gym, you know, any industry association you can join, but if you don't do anything with it, then at the end of the year, you go, well, I didn't get anything out of that at all. Whereas if you actually throw yourself into it, you'll get many, many rewards back. Um, and, you know, last year, plenty of very good news stories about ITS UK, the, the extremely high, uh, regard in which the awards are held for example the 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 joy that winner of the uh, lifetime achievement award ian patey had last year in and how proud he was to to win that award it really meant something to him the the growing number of members and the more interesting range of new members from the really big uh, road builders to uh, single expert um, micro smes it it was 2021, uh, considering the challenges the world was facing, pretty successful year. Yeah, we have had a, a very good 2021. It, it's absolutely true. And uh, regarding our awards, as I, I said to Ian Patey at the time, that uh, after this, after winning the Race Hills, uh, there isn't really anywhere further to go in British ITS. That's it. Your, your reputation is done. And I think that, that you know, that's our strength is that, yeah, uh, really senior people with vast experience and knowledge. You hope that they will all win the Reese Hills Award for Outstanding Personal Contribution. But before that, uh, when they're in their middle career years, as it were, they're active within ITS UK, helping to build the, the brand of whichever organisation they're, they're working for. They're often chairing these forums that I talked about, which is good for ITS UK, but also good for them. They're building their reputation. Uh, and very early on in their careers, we have our early careers forum and we have student members, uh, then taking part in ITS UK is all about, at the very beginning, building your knowledge and building your network. So we really do, we serve members in size from micro SMEs up to really big multinationals, but we also serve people throughout their career path, or, or so I certainly like to think. Well, when I, as I mentioned, joined the industry and I really you know, genuinely knew nothing about transport and somebody said, why don't you go to this ITS UK thing and find out more about it? And it was a extremely useful to understand loads of things that I had no idea went went on behind the scenes in transport and the ability to meet so many people and actually it led to business opportunities and it led to um, an awful lot of, uh, of very successful things for me personally and in whatever business I was working in at the time so I can personally vouch for for the value of the membership now what are the plans for 2022 now how are you going to build on the successes of last year 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we're starting from a very good position, which is uh, always positive. But there are obviously you no know, certain things we, we would like to achieve during the next year. And uh, one of them is to further build uh, the recognition of how much ITS can offer to uh, reduce emissions, uh, contribute towards net zero. Uh, also talking about climate change resilience, you know, both ITS contributing to resilience, but also ITS equipment itself needs to be resilient. And uh, there's also adjacent topics to that about end of life, which we need to start talking about, who is responsible for all ITS equipment coming to a good and sustainable end, uh, so on and so forth. So that whole environmental piece, I think, is really important. The uh, skills pipeline, workforce pipeline continues to be important. Uh, We need to do more alongside all the other associations active in in the transport sector to attract really good people into transport. It's it's an issue that isn't going away. Uh, An awful lot of the what's in the news at the moment about the, the large number of unfilled vacancies Uh, very many of those vacancies are for people with IT skills. And that means that the the fight is probably going to get dirtier about who gets the best people with that sort of expertise. But of course, we also need many other talents within the sector. So that's definitely something that we need to major on. But also, I I think we we need to carry on growing. As as you said, Uh, we had a, a substantial growth in membership last year. Uh, we should build on that and try to attract even even more organisations and individuals into the membership because really uh, the the more broadly based we are, uh, the stronger our voice and, and we do aspire to, to be the voice of transport technology in the UK. That, that's uh, one of the things we should be doing. In, in practical terms, uh, we are relaunching our review. Our review was always a very popular annual publication uh, Latterly, also uh, popular in its online form. The last few years, it it had uh, uh, an online and a paper existence. Uh, Because of the pandemic and lockdown and the logistics of getting it out there, it's been dormant for a couple of years. The last issue appeared in 2019. But I'm really pleased to to say that we are bringing it back for 2022. Again, well, with with an even stronger online presence, because that's the way the trend is going. and, And we're very happy to follow that. And we've already had very good interest from members in being part of the review. Uh, so that's something we're very much looking forward to. Something that will appear in late spring, we hope. Certainly it will be there on our standard traffic so people can pick up, pick up copies there. But maybe we'll even have it earlier. So that would be really good. And we're also building on the, on the success of our awards, which now that you can see just how much uh, the winners value it, how much people value the opportunity of, of being able to nominate people and organisations and things for them. We have decided to make more of them in, in 2022, refresh them after they're probably about 15 years old now, give them a refresh, make sure that the categories are relevant to all the good things which are going on in, in UK ITS. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the autumn, we'll be making some more people just as happy as uh, Ian Patey was uh, last year. Jenny Martin of ITS UK there, always someone with a lot of insight for us, talking to us on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. So this is Highways Voices. And before we go, we've still got time for Adrian's accolade. Adrian, who wins this week? Um, my accolade this week goes to the people of Guildford in Surrey. A local online debate there has led to a renewed focus on air quality. 
More than 100 people took part in the debate last week to discuss the future of Guildford Town Centre, and all agreed they must tackle the borough's air quality together. The weaponised part of a programme of events to hear from the community about what they want the future of Guildford to be. The programme includes workshops, pop-up down centre stalls, focus group, telephone polling and digital campaigns. Nothing different about this, I hear you say, but the coming together of residents, the council and businesses is starting to drive the right agenda in Guildford. And perhaps it proves that if you let people decide, more often than not, they provide you with the right answer. So well done to all the people of Guildford as a whole for winning Adrian's accolade this week. And that'll do it for our programme. Thanks as always for listening and we'll chat again next Wednesday. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 